Hey, what's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. Today, joining me on the show is someone whose work is truly making a difference in the lives of LGBTQ Christians by helping them make peace with their faith and their sexuality. Christian sexuality coach, Yema Logan. Yema, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, I, I grew up in the church. I'm originally from Santa Barbara, California, and okay. I... I've always been a very liberal progressive person. That's just kind of the way that my mom raised me and my sister and, and my dad, you know, he, even though he wasn't churchgoer, he's always been very accepting. That's just the family that I had. So when I went to college, I went to Azusa Pacific University. I was so taken aback by mm-hmm. kind of how people interpreted theology and more specifically how a lot of my now who are, you know, have come into their identity, friends that are a part of the LGBTQ community were so afraid to just be who they are. So I think the work that you're doing is so powerful and it's so needed. And then just from um, uh, an ally's perspective and someone who has a lot of people in my life that are part of the LGBTQ community, I know that what you're doing probably would have made a huge difference in their life, you know? So I, yeah. I'm really appreciative of the work that you're doing, but I want to know your background and your story. How did you realize that this was kind of your calling and this is the work that you wanted to do? Well, I think the awesome thing is God normally calls us to do the thing that we had to struggle with the most. Mm. Um, so the people that I, that I coach and the people online are people who have my similar story. So I went through all of the, the fears of coming out to family, not being sure if God really accepted me fully, um, being really fearful of in the early stages of going to hell. And then I got revelation on that that people don't go to hell for being gay. <laughs> um, but I was called to do this work in 2011. But at that time, I was really non-affirming um, in agreement with what I believe the Bible said. And so mm. when God said, I, I'm calling you to serve this community, I was like, I'm not about to tell people they're sinners. Like, I'm not doing that. Um, so I just put it to the side because I was like 100%, you know, Jesus freak. I was all the way in. I came out to Colorado for Bible college and like served God with every atom of my being. And in that process still ended up falling in love with this woman because what the church said was you come to God, you'll get delivered. Um, And it made sense to me because of all the reasons that they said that people normally will have attractions towards the same gender was things that I had in my past, the sexual abuse, the um, absentee um, father who was really present, but um, the mother who wasn't in the home and all of that. So it just made sense to me. And then also I identify as bisexual. So it was kind of easier in a way for me Mm -hmm. to just say, okay, well, I'll just wait for this elusive husband that everybody says I should wait for. um, And I'll just serve God. And in that process, I was the closest to God I've ever been in my life. And realized I was in love with this woman. So it was just kind of like, God, like, where were you? Why didn't you deliver me from this thing? How is this thing still happening? I thought it was coming because of a sinful lifestyle. I'm not living a sinful lifestyle. I had been celibate for years when that happened. So I wasn't like being promiscuous. I wasn't going out. So it's just like, where is this coming from? And it was, it took probably a couple of years, maybe three or four years later for God to just sit me down and be like, when are you going to finally accept yourself? Mm. So it wasn't even anything that I was like asking God, like, please um, accept me. It was just like God saying, 
I need you to accept yourself because I need you to go help these people to know me, right? Like to call them onto me. And that's really basically my work. It's just bringing people back home to God, to know that God loves and accepts them. Yeah. I, I love that you're saying that because for me, I struggle with discernment and I know a lot of people (laughs) that are, that are Mm -hmm. faith-based people do. So how did you know that it was God speaking to you to tell you that? I had really through relationship with God, build uh, a discerning of the voice of God. Um, and for me, God's voice always sounds really smart, <laughs> smarter <laughs> than me. Um, but I had an experience when I was younger where I went through a very extreme anxiety and I was not going to go to the doctor. You know, black people are like, I ain't going to no crazy doctor. I'm not crazy. I'm not taking medicine. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing any of that. Like, God, if you don't come through for me, I'm literally going to lose my life. And so I had to rely on God literally Melinda for every second of the day Mm. to not be in fear, to Mm. trust God for peace. And so the beautiful thing about my story is I developed a relationship with God outside of the church because I needed God. And so in that process of needing God, I learned to hear the voice of God. And God took me through a process because I needed to hear it. Like I could read the scriptures and I can meditate on it. You know, I found everything that said peace. And I'm like, this has to be who you are. You said you love me. So you must want to give me peace. And so in that process, I remember, I'll tell you this quick story of when I first like legit heard the, the voice of God in my heart. Um, I was like studying the Bible because at that time I would like turn my TV off and just spend time with God because I like I needed this word like I was thirsty and dying pretty, pretty much and I couldn't find the scripture like the scripture came to mind I was like where is that scripture at like I legit couldn't find it and I literally heard God tell me in the scripture so I was like oh maybe that's just like me talking whatever but it just sounded really like not me because mm-hmm. I didn't know where it was. And so I opened up the Bible and it was exactly the scripture that I couldn't remember. Ooh, I ooh. freaked out literally because <laughs> I was like, a fear- I was like at that time fearful of the supernatural a little bit. And I was like, did you just talk to me? Like there's somebody on the other side of this, like listening to me. Yeah. And I closed my Bible, it ran in my room, like put it on the shelf. Cause it was like, oh my gosh, there's somebody out there talking to me. Right. Um, and it took me like a, probably like a day or two of like, okay, you know, maybe it was, you know, it was you. So please help me like get comfortable with that. And in that process, just learning, um, like practicing the voice of God. Mm-hmm. So I'll be driving at that time I lived in Philly. So I was like driving to work in center city and like try to hear God to tell me like where to go to find parking. Cause I was never going to pay for it. So like in the neighborhood of God, I'd be like, turn left here, turn right. And sure enough, <laughs> it'd be like a perfect like parking spot, like right there. So yeah. like it helped me to really build trust in um, that it was actually the voice of God that I was hearing. So that was years and years before God sat me down in a conversation and said, when are you going to accept yourself? Like your ability to love people um, not based upon gender is actually a superpower I've given you. And I need you to to own that and to go help other people. So, I mean, that's for me how I developed hearing the voice of God. I think that's so beautiful. And I I love the way in which God presented himself to you because he'll find a way (laughs) to Mm -hmm. make sure you will listen to his ways. And it's like, I'm going to get to you somehow, some way. And so I I, I love that story. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask your opinion on this because you know, I've gone through quite several different churches in my in my lifetime, and I've been lucky enough to, for the most part, be in pretty liberal, progressive, affirming churches, very welcoming, and they really, from from my vantage point, 
are trying to live out the way that Jesus told us to. But how did the church get into this deep obsession of kind of alienate, I don't even say kind of alienating members of the LGBTQ community in the sense of even like you can't even serve in church, uh -huh. you know, where do you think that that really, what that stems from? There is a really awesome woman called Kathy Balduck and she's written mm -hmm. a book called The Bridges Canyon. Yeah. The yeah, the Bridges Canyon. She has really good um, seminars on YouTube that people can find if they're interested in this. But she really goes back into that it was a socio-political move of the church um, in electing um, officials to government. So it wasn't really a focus of the church until like back then when they needed to separate themselves from the Democrats, right? And so like it became the issue. And then um, within the church, the thing that we don't understand as humans is the thing that we're most fearful of. And so if I don't understand um, homosexuality, I don't understand how you can feel like you belong in a different body for, the, for our trans family, it's gonna be fearful for me. And if something I'm fearful of means it's coming from the devil. Mm. And so then I don't want anything of the devil around me. So now um, the issue becomes an issue and it's not about a person. It's not about the humanity of the person behind the so-called sin that you're talking about or the misunderstanding. It's just like, oh, that's the devil. And that becomes yeah. an issue. And yeah. we forget to actually have conversation with people, which I'm really proud of the church. I think in general now is that they're understanding even that really horrible saying that they have God, you know, love the sinner and hate the, hate sin. the sin. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, for them, it's a stepping stone towards seeing people behind what the presenting issue is to them. So I think, I mean, that's progress in the right direction. So I think mostly it's just really about fear yeah. and also not understanding the church doesn't talk about sexuality at all, right? really, right. because it's really presented as if the devil created sex, right? And so there's no talk about pleasure. Um, there's no talk about even the dark side of things with childhood sexual abuse. That's mm -hmm. not, you don't go to a church and hear those conversations being had and the environment I worked in before I stepped out into full-time doing this work was a very right-wing, white, evangelical, um, charismatic ministry. And one of my last days there, I asked one of the pastors about why don't we talk about um, childhood sexual abuse? Why don't we talk about sex? Like, why isn't it being spoken about from the pulpits? And this male white pastor said, it's because we don't know how to talk about it because most of us are dealing with the issue. Mm. And so that was kind of like an eye opener for me. Like it's just fear all around yeah. really yeah. is what's going on. Um, and so I'm grateful that God's like, you be well enough. You talk about it. Um, I'm like, yes, I will. <laughs> I love that. You're, you really are stepping into your calling. So yeah. do you feel like there are certain common denominators? Cause you're talking about, you know, like childhood sexual abuse, and I'm sure there's a, a multitude of other, um, elements in, in regards to people struggling with their sexuality, but in the people that you've coached, do you feel like there are some common denominators with what their struggles have been? Their struggles have been religion. Um, just as a because whole. it's just religion. Yeah. Um, it's a fear. <laughs> It's the fear of going to hell. It's the non-affirming voice of the parents, of the, of the 
um, clergy in the church because most of us um, were very young when we realized that we had these attractions or for our trans family that felt that they were in the wrong body. So it wasn't as a result, like the church teaches, like, oh, you were sexually abused. That's why that's such a lie. Right, um, right. If we were even to look at the statistics of it, women, it's about that's reported. Um, you and the group of four women count one, two, at least two of you, 50% of you have been sexually abused as a child. So if that's the case on a larger scale, um, looking at the population of the U.S., there would be a lot more lesbians here mm-hmm. in the U.S. if that was really the cause of um, our same-sex attractions, as the church likes to say. So no, it's not any of those things. The common denominator of the problems that my clients are facing is fear. They're fearful of going to hell. They're fearful that they're wrong, that God really doesn't accept them. They're fearful that something's wrong with them, that they have to fix, that they'll never fix. And um, that's really the work that I do to help people come close to God again, because God was presented as this judgmental figure in the sky. He's watching your every move, listening to your every thought to find the wrong thought, to find the wrong thing, to strike you down and like send you to hell, like just very servant master relationship and not child father relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's really helping them re-image God to see, no, like God really is awesome. God's really not in a bad mood. Um, God really loves you (laughs) as you are. Like God's literally smiling. Like one of my favorite scriptures is Zephaniah, I think 317, that says that God is actually like dancing and rejoicing over Mm -hmm. us right now. And that is the image that I want my clients and the people that I work with and even people on Instagram that follow me. I want them to know that about God. Um, and whether or not they hear from me that God loves you, accepts me, they're not ever going to believe it fully mm-hmm. from hearing it from the outside. Yeah. And so I have to help you get into a relationship with God so God can speak to you. Um, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that doesn't mean the physical Bible word of God. That's like inner relationship, hearing from God for yourself. God saying, I love you. I accept you. I affirm you, right? I want the best for you in your yeah. relationships. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's religion. It's the yeah, spirit I, of religion. I, I, I completely can see that. And I think one of the things that you just hit on, which is so important, is just having that personal relationship with God, because you know, so many people do leave the church, but it's not because of God. It's because of the people in the church. So mm-hmm. for a lot of my LGBTQ friends, you know, I'm trying to lead with love and, and I'm always feel like I'm defending like, oh, not all Christians are like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. But yeah. I, I think that that is the important thing. It's like, you need to find your own personal relationship with God and feel his love and feel, or her love, it's love, however you define God. But mm-hmm. once you have that personal relationship, it really doesn't matter what anybody else in the church is saying, because they're all, everybody's interpreting the Bible differently. Um, mm-hmm. I think some interpretations are correct. Some are mm-hmm. clearly not right, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what mm-hmm. leads us to these situations in the first place. Um, so in terms of churches, because, you know, a lot of churches, especially non-denominational ones, they hide behind, you know, uh, a all are welcome kind of, um, uh, presentation. They make Uh people feel like you can be here. There's great, um, uh, community, things like that. But are there any Uh keywords that you're like, look out for this? Because that probably means that their theology is rooted in non-affirming. Theology. The exact same thing that you just said, all are welcome. Mm. Um, they have to be clear that they're affirming. 
because like the the all are welcome is yeah we know that you're struggling with this and we're here to help you get over it um so you're welcome to come get healed and delivered but they should be very clear that they are affirming yeah. of you yeah. um and for me right now the church that i'm going through online obviously because of COVID, yeah <laughs> and um I am not really sure if they're affirming or not, but the, the preacher is a prophetic teacher. And so like he, um, Pat, the pastor is a prophetic teacher. So he really teaches about the seasons that we're in and that's really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think where I am in my journey, I'm able to eat the meat and spit out the bones mm. like, because I'm really not trying to come and serve in the church. Now for those, um, there's resources that I just shared on social media that I can't really remember right now. Um, but one of my audience members asked, you know, for resources to find an affirming church. And so if anyone's listening is interested, I, they can DM me and I can um, give them that information. But there is a website that you can go on to that will show you all the affirming churches in your area. Yeah. If you want to physically. Thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, church yeah. clarity. Um, if they want to attend that, but then also because of COVID, you can attend any church. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've attended, you know, sometimes it can be weird because you don't know the size of the church. If you enter, there's like six people. You're like, crap, like, cause there's no way <laughs> you can't hide. In. You cannot. They're like, hi, Yama. I'm like, dang it. I know. They're like, like you, what's, what brought so- you here? Yeah. You're brand new. We're so excited to have you. That's exactly. hilarious. It's just like, I don't want to have conversation. Like I was hoping to slid it you know, like slide in the back and just not, Oh my gosh. You can't if it's on zoom, you can't. You if it's- <laughs> Melinda, I did that once. It was like the most awkward because they were like been hanging out together for a while. And yeah. it's just like, I came in they're like, Oh my gosh, how did you find us? I was like, Oh man. And so I like had to have a whole conversation. I didn't put my video on. I was just like, this is not happening. That is I'm so like funny. laying in bed. I'm not ready to engage. I just wanted to hear worship, hear the word of God send my tithe in or however that looks like if I felt like it and just like turn it off and go back to bed. That's hilarious. Cause that so. makes me think of like when you go to new churches and they're like, are there any visitors? And you're like, uh, yeah. and you're raising your hand, but you think on zoom, Oh, I'm going to hide. Yeah. I didn't nope. It's not possible. <laughs> like it forces you into immediate community. So I was oh just like, yeah, this gosh. is not, this is That's not for me. So I'll just keep funny. watching my church on live on YouTube. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so yeah. Church Clarity is is the website, mm-hmm. and and I, yep. I I've used that, and I've sent it to friends, and it is very very valuable resource <clears throat> that mm-hmm. people should look into before they commit to going to a church. Yes, yes. So so when you are coaching someone, and I'm I know everybody's situation is different, but is mm-hmm. there kind of just a base for where you start with trying to one get them comfortable, and then getting into having these conversations? I start with helping them hear the voice of God. Because other than that, the work that we do is not going to work. Mm. So that's the very first thing because God is Holy Spirit is my coaching partner. The work that needs to be done when we're, because we meet together for 50 minutes on Zoom, we cannot get all the work done in 50 minutes. So I right. need you to be doing work outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to build, um, and we've done it successfully, like I'm really good at that, um, but <laughs> I've helped them to hear the voice of God. So as we go through the process of maybe some barriers that are coming up for them, some triggers that they may not remember where it's coming from, the Holy Spirit is able to say, this is where it started. And then we can work through to heal that. But it really is about me helping you because mostly we work between 
um, six to 16 weeks, depending on what their issue is. And I custom make um, the program based upon the call that we have, the first mm-hmm. call. And so my job is to build a foundation for the rest of your life. So mm-hmm. I'm not a therapist. I'm, gonna, I'm not hanging out with you for two to three years. That's not <laughs> happening. Like we're together three, four months max, right. right? We're getting it done and you're moving on because now you're empowered and you have this foundation yeah. laid, yeah. which the foundation has to be to be able to hear the voice of God. And then we go through the theology of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I think what I have found mostly is just people don't really understand the grace of God, that there really our church is still teaching that people go to hell for sin. Yeah. Like if you're a believer and you mess up, it's a possibility that you could still go to hell. And that's just not the gospel. So it's just even reteaching them the gospel. A large amount of my clients are actually um, ex-Catholics or Catholics. And so yeah. that theology is intense in having to renew your mind against all of that. My goodness. Ugh. I can only imagine. Um, yeah. It's It's heavy. So with your, your work, you're doing so much to help people, but are there mm-hmm. anybody, is, has there been anybody in your life, in your journey that truly helped you? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say my last female relationship mm-hmm. and that relationship and her story really helped me understand like she didn't have any of the history I had, like was a virgin in her like her late years and hadn't done anything that I had done, wasn't out there drinking, smoking, and you know what I mean? <laughs> Partying it up. Like sis had been living the righteous life and still had these same gender um, loving attractions and feelings. And so it was a stark um, opposite of what I had been told. And so it was kind of confronting to my theology. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that really... Not that she helped me be more comfortable with myself. It was her story helped me have more conversation with God. And so it's just like, yeah, that really, really was helpful. But for as far as my journey, um, I'm such an independent learner. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's part of why I do what I do, because I'm able to, I, I'm at heart a researcher. So going through the process, then having the relationship with God as well, I mean, honestly, Melinda, God is my, not like my best friend. God's my best friend. Yeah, okay? yeah. And so the process of journaling, the process of um, being able to take all of my darkest secrets to God and knowing that God's not going to tell nobody. Okay. Um, and then right. also <laughs> like there's, there was a season in my life when I was just like, after the whole celibacy thing, I realized I was in love with this woman. God hadn't taken these things away. We're like, we go into like the host stage a little bit. Right. And so in like my little host stage, um, through everything <laughs> I was doing, I'd be like in the middle of situations, having full blown conversations with God. Like, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I know you love me. And God would just be like, I love you. This is not who you are. Like, there's right. no judgment right now. And it this was isn't in, you. This isn't you. You're, you deserve so much better than this. Like, you're so beautiful. You're so amazing. Like, God's voice is always going to be affirming who you are as a person who's valuable and loved and never less than that. Yeah. So people are like, oh, I'm being convicted by God. I'm such scum. I'm like, that's not Jesus. That's, right. that's the devil because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Um, but God's voice is always going to be lifting you up higher. And so in the middle of all of that, going through all that mess, 
you know, God was able to maintain relationship with me because I showed up. I didn't run away. I was just like, I did it. I'm doing it. It hurts. I feel sad. I feel bad. And God's like, why do you feel sad? Why do you feel bad? Why do you feel condemned? Where is this coming from? And would just God, you know, the Bible says that Jesus came to be a, a wonderful counselor to us. And indeed, Jesus is an amazing counselor. So the person that helped me is Jesus. Yeah. Um, as far as flesh and blood, I can't really point to anybody to say, oh, this person really, really um, helped me. Now, it was valuable for me in the community to find other queer Christian voices um, with the podcast and the books and the YouTube videos was really helpful to help me form um, a, a better understanding of the mm -hmm. theology around um, queer affirmations by, you know, being affirmed by God. But other than that, I don't think I can really, um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, I don't know. But I will say this, as far as me fully stepping into my business, because um, I was coaching mothers before who um, had teenage daughters and needed to have the sex talk with them, kind of like a safe in between, because I didn't want to go serve this community. But I knew I was called to sexuality. And so my coach at the time was the one that really helped launch me into doing this work mm. and was just like, if you didn't think about the money, if you didn't think about what other people would say, like, what would be the community that you would serve 100% right now? And I started bawling. I was like, I just want to tell gay people God loves them. And she's Aww. like, that's it. I don't want to hear anything else. We're going to put, <laughs> we're going to put our all into it. We're going to build a plant and this is what you're doing. Yeah. And you have to tell the whole world. And so honestly, when I came out and said I was doing this business, I was also coming out to the right wing conservative community that I had served for seven years. Mm. And they had no, I mean, they knew it was my testimony, but they had no idea I had fully embraced all of who I am. And so I got all the Christian phone calls like, are you okay? Is everything all right? Did something go wrong? Like what happened to you? I'm like, nothing. Like I'm nothing good. Happened. I'm better yeah. than good. Yeah. Right. You're like, I'm um, happy now. I'm who I <laughs> am. Happy. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm serving people. This is awesome. You know, as I'm talking to you, I just can't imagine being in that kind of community for seven years. <laughs> like, I just, I mean, and I, I mean, I have conversations with conservative Christians often, you know, yeah. I went to college with a lot of them. I don't mm -hmm. agree with half of the things that they think, but I think seven years is a long time to be surrounded by that. And you really did come out on the other end. And it's, you seem like I didn't, I clearly did not know you before then, but I can only imagine yeah. that you're so much happier now yeah. that you're out of that space. Yeah. I Especially really as a black woman too. Oh, child. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so in the beginning, I was still coming off the tail end of not being affirming. And so I went to the Bible college and then ended up in very high leadership um, at the ministry. I was the head of the HR department. So I really was up there um, working with all men, mm -hmm. mostly all white, not mostly all white. I'm not even going to say mostly. And so being in that environment, things got a little bit more intense when Trump got into office. Mm -hmm. And I started to see the political shift. Because the ministry I was working for, the teacher of that ministry, really the reason why I, was, I felt drawn to that ministry was because he was speaking about the God that I learned outside of the church. Mm -hmm. The God that's loving, the unconditional love, ability to hear God, the grace of God being forever forgiven. So that truth is still real. 
right? But the other stuff started coming um, to light and then working in HR and some of the policies um, that I was being asked to write for other countries because it, it's a global ministry um, that I couldn't legally write for people in the United States because we're like, you ain't telling me what to do. Um, <laughs> but in other countries, it's allowed to say all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And that's when it really started to confront, um, even if I wasn't going to be fully affirming, I wasn't comfortable judging people outside of what they did at work. Right. right. Um, and being the head of HR, a lot of the policies would be, oh, Yema wrote that. Not the HR department, not HR said, um, but Yema said that. And when they ever said HR, it was like Yema said it, right? And so it, beca- it became very uncomfortable. There are a lot of me butting heads with leadership mm. in that season. And um, it's just, uh, I think one of the really last straws was when we bust um, employees to go, um, to go protest, um, against the comprehensive sex education bill Colorado was trying to pass mm-hmm. for schools. And I was just like, wow, like I really don't belong here. Like mm-hmm. I can't in good conscience serve these people knowing that I'm just not part of this. And so uh, my boss was awesome and amazing and was able to have this conversation. Even uh, my boss was like, maybe like you need to leave. Like not in like because of this reasons, but for other reasons. Like I think it's time for me to step out and just go do and step out on faith. So it wasn't even about this specific issue, but it was just like, it's time for me to go because I just cannot, I just, I vehemently am against, not just like passively, vehemently against these things and I really couldn't speak about it on social media it was already a big problem because um, back then like a few years before all this stuff happened I wrote a book called good sex mm-hmm. as a single woman and that was like a huge problem like you're in HR and you're writing a book about sex and you're a single woman and all the older people were like trying to talk to me like you're single how can you talk about sex I was like I'm not a virgin like what are you talking about you sound ridiculous <laughs> right now like it was like they were so concerned about my judgment like it was a huge deal so it was already we were already on a little bit of rocks because I'm like this is what I'm called to right and so for me I was extremely unhappy in that situation but the grace of God in that season um, my spiritual mentor let me know this and she was preaching about this but it's just like Sometimes like how God did Moses and put Moses in the, in the house of the, the leader that he would have to free people from mm-hmm. so he could learn who, the, who he was, right? He knew their customs. He knew the language. He knew them. Yeah. And this was going to be the person, the, the home, the house that he's going to come back to, to deliver people from. And so um, my pastor, my spiritual mentor was saying to me, like God put you behind the scenes so that you can learn where this was coming from. And also so that you can have compassion. So these people can have faces for you. Because yes. sometimes when we start fighting against the conservative community, they just become a whole one glob of people. We don't see them. Right. And so like, I see these people, I know that I know their hearts, right. I know their theology is coming from a place of really trying to stay as true to the Bible as they can. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like hate to them. It doesn't sound like discrimination. It doesn't sound like any of those things. It sounds like love. And it sounds like I'm speaking the truth to you in love, mm-hmm. that scripture. So for me, with the conservative environment, because I mean, they're amazing, amazing, beautiful people. 
yeah, their political stance is not where I would be. Theologically is not what I agree with. But there's still, again, people who really at the core of them are trying to serve God the best they can, just like all of us, right? And so it gave me compassion because if God had called me out in 2011, I would have been with my mouth and my boldness, I would have been coming so hard against the conservative community without any heart of compassion for them. Right, right. And so now there's compassion um, and there's understanding because, you know, I've had relationships with these people. And so, yeah, um, I'm blessed and grateful for that season and even more blessed and grateful that it's over. Okay. <laughs> She's like, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> but I, I think, I think you're right. You have to approach it. And as hard as it is, because sometimes mm-hmm. they can get very vitriolic, but I also try to approach everything with compassion and grace. Even if they're yeah. hurling things at me, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to mm-hmm. rise to or sink rather to the level that you're yeah. at right now. Um, So I want to know, what is the most rewarding thing about what you do? Uh, Like everything, Melinda. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I wake up every day and I'm like, how do I get to live this life? Um, It's something really amazing and beautiful about stepping into the purpose that God has for you. That is the most joyful. Like every time I think about it, it makes me want to cry, but I'm not going to cry. That is the most joyful place that you can be not the Mm -hmm. easiest. I mean, obviously there's challenges with anything that you're doing, but I'm so blessed that I get to do it and getting on the calls with people and coaching them and seeing the light bulb go off for them. Like God really is nice. Yeah. Like it's like the, the most basic thing that we should have understood in, in Sunday school. And we've had such great help from religion to teach us that he's not nice and he's not kind. And so just, um, I've had God tell me, thank you a couple of times. And it just floors me like, what? Like you're thanking me like, no, thank you. But that is the, the rewarding thing is just my entire life. But to see people see God the way God wants to be seen as loving and kind and patient, um, and affirming and not in a box right so yeah I mean and I get the dms all the time it's like thank you so much for doing this work thank you for being out here like every time people are like I know you hear this all the time like I don't hear it enough please keep it coming because you don't know some days I may have some troll on instagram or my own negative thinking or my family who's not affirming except like one of them you know are coming at me I need to be reminded that this work that I'm doing is actually reaching someone. And if it changes one life to get to know God and be set free, completely worth it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a quote the other day that said, you know, God made you in his image, Mm -hmm. but the minute he, God starts to hate all the people that you do, you've created him in your own image. Mm. And I think that that's so powerful because I think that that's so good. Right. It, I was, it really struck me because I think that that's kind of just the, the, the core of where this problem is with, you know, mm-hmm. how people view specifically people in the LGBTQ community, you know, they think, mm-hmm. well, you know, this is wrong. This is an abomination. And it's like, but no, yeah. God loves them. So you're creating, you're creating God to be what you think he's supposed to be. And I really, yeah. really thought that, that was a powerful message. That is, that's so yeah. beautiful. And I yeah. think for the people who are um, 
kind of hateful towards not kind of or you know <laughs> are just hateful <laughs> are just hateful towards the community is the misunderstanding that these people don't want god yeah like these are people who would sacrifice all of who they are to please god yeah and they're not finding a way to have relationship with god i've talked to so many people where like they're like i don't care about my sexuality i just want to serve God. And I don't know how to do that because the church says I can't because I'm gay. And so, and they, the queer community knows so well the Bible, like, because we've had to search it to try to find like, God, did you really, did you really create me this way? And now tell me that you hate me? Like what? Like help me understand. Cause I love you. Like they love God so much. And I just wish the, the conservative community would understand that because there's this unfortunate binary that they have like you can't be gay and christian like if you're gay then you must hate god like that is so so far from the truth at least 86 percent of the lgbt community out there right now they're like i don't want anything to do with god grew up in your churches so it's something that you said to them and presented god to them in such a way that they feel that they cannot be themselves and come to god because you taught them that you know so i just wish people understood that yeah. yeah, yeah, but I love what you're doing is so crucial and it's so important. And I, I hope you know some of the listeners really follow you and 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 are encouraged by what you're doing, and maybe even reach out to you. But for the people that don't know where to follow you, can you let them know so that they can reach out to you if they need to? Yes, I can. Um, mainly, I'm really super active on Instagram, so it's at Coachyama Y E A M as a mom A H. Um, and that's where I spend most of my time all the time. I think I'm going to try to start doing YouTube like this month. Um, but mostly that's the best place, uh, really the only place at this time. I'm not, I can't do Facebook, Twitter, the TikTok thing. I think, I don't know. It's a lot, girl. There's a lot. The editing. (laughs) I'm in my mid thirties and I'm about to be a little bit over that time. And so I'm like, I don't know if this is for me. So TikTok and me are not gelling. (laughs) Um, I have, I have accounts on all of them. You can search me and find me on all of them at the same thing at Coach Yema, but I'm But you're just active on Instagram. I also saw this meme. I'm such a meme person, but it was like, I'm too, I'm too young to be this out of touch, but I'm too old to figure out how to use TikTok. And that's, exactly. I was like, I feel so seen. <laughs> yeah, that resonates a lot with me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, thank you so much. I, I, of course, I admire your work. I love what you're doing. And I really appreciate uh, you sharing your story and just keep, you know, thank walking you. In, in God's will for you. And thank you so much for joining me on the show. You are welcome. Thank you for having me, Melinda. Of course. And listeners, make sure you subscribe to We Need to Talk on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.